In a world where all the movies are about superheroes, two friends team up to talk about movies from a simpler time, a time before iPhones. They'll search for deeper meaning, mock things they don't like, and of course, there will be spoilers. Please join Terrence McHenry and Hollis Lazzarini as they get real nostalgic. Well, hey, everybody. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hollis Lazzarini here. Terrence McHenry. Hoping you had a great week. It's been a pretty good one so far. Yeah? Yeah, no doubt. How about for you? It's been good. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. A little tired, but... Yeah, me too. But, yeah, let's do this. But we're here. We're here. So this week we watched... Blazing Saddles. 1974. Two. I was two. I was two. (laughs) (laughs) We could make a timeline. (laughs) Just with the films and pure release. This is how old and put little baby Terrence. Little baby Terrence was right there. I don't think your mom took you to the theater to see this. It's just Pro- a guess. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't high on our uh, our kid friendly threshold of movies. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to hear what she thinks about this movie. Hmm. I don't know. I I know my dad. He loved it. Did he? Yeah. I don't. I I. But it was. It was. He was. It was another one of those movies that he introduced to me. So. I'm pretty sure, I, I don't remember for sure, but I would have to say I'm pretty sure my mom had to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? We we always watch stuff together, so, yeah. I know. I yeah. did that, yeah, me too, mm-hmm. as a family. Yeah. Sometimes they cover your eyes. For sure. You know, oh, yeah. you can't see this part. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, this one wasn't too risque in that sense. You know, there wasn't, like, nudity in this. There was promiscuity, but no nudity. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I don't I don't see my mom covering my eyes too much on this one. Probably not. And then yeah. I mean some of the jokes as we've both experienced, you know, it it could be risque, but you don't get it when you're yeah, a kid. And totally. then you get older and you go, Oh Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was lots of stuff like that for me growing up, which is super funny. Yeah. I remember uh when I was a kid, uh my my grandfather, he he had quite the porn collection and I remember <laughs> I was thumbing through a hustler i i didn't look at the pictures i only like to read the articles of course <laughs> um but one of the one of the, the the jokes which is funny because of the movie that we watched today but one of the jokes in it was a cartoon and it showed president lincoln sitting on the edge of his bed and there's a bunch of bottles around him that have like the three X's on it. So he'd obviously drank like a bunch the night before. And there's a guy standing there with a piece of paper and his he it's President Lincoln speaking and he's like, I freed the what? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so as a kid, I didn't get the joke. And then I remember at one point as an older, like uh, uh, probably in my teens or early early 20s i thought about that 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 cartoon for a second and it made me laugh yeah you know i didn't get it when i was a kid but something brought it back up to me at that point and it made me laugh so yeah it's things like that (laughs) definitely yeah all right so let's go through the particulars real quick yes uh this film was directed by mel brooks yes mel brooks uh side note i had never seen it Mm -hmm. we'll get into that okay and the other films that people would be familiar with off the top of my head is History of the History World. History of the World Part 1. 
Spaceballs. Spaceballs for sure. High Anxiety, which I I have not seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my favorite, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, yes. It was written by Mel Brooks, Norman Steinberg, Andrew Bergman, Richard Pryor. Wow. And Alan Uger. Wow. Yeah, Richard Pryor, right? Richard Pryor, um, huge. Such a crazy thing. He was actually supposed to play Bart. Really? Yep. But due to his controversial stand-up routines mm-hmm. and his reputation, uh, Brooks couldn't get the funding. Wow. I know, right? Hmm. Uh, and I, of course, anytime you change, you, if you put Richard Pryor as Bart, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it works as well. Hmm. Personally, uh, you know, you know, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor actually have worked oh, together yeah, a lot uh-huh. in the past, like uh silver streak uh hear no evil see no evil um god i'm I'm putting myself on the spot right now but there's just so many they they, they've worked so well together in the past yeah um so i i I have to say that i disagree i think that that richard Pryor would have if they could have landed him for this role i think this movie probably would have been even funnier because of his comedic background i don't know that Clay, i mean clavon little was a, a broadway star and obviously very talented on so many levels i don't know that he was a stand-up comedian i don't think you so. know and so i think that maybe he could act funny when it's scripted i'm not saying that he's not a funny person i don't know him personally right. um but richard Pryor, like i think the delivery would have been crazy and maybe it would have changed it for me maybe maybe i don't know yeah mel brooks wrote this movie Mm -hmm. out of anger at white corruption racism and bible thumping bigotry nice ends up being clearly the main themes in this film no doubt about it and he goes and he smashes all of them in the face yes he does right in the face (laughs) (laughs) uh apparently this movie marks the first time the sound of farting has ever been used in a film. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's what they claim on the DVD commentary, which I did not listen to, but read about. Okay. I always think, you know, I, I remember I, I used to travel for work. I would, I would fly everywhere and stay in a hotels. And I remember one particular flight. I don't remember exactly where I was coming from, but flying into Oakland and it was just a terrible flight. I, th- I think probably coming back from like Florida or something like that because it was a super long flight. And uh, I was super pissed. And I don't know why. You know, I'm not typically one that lets anger get a hold of me and hold on to it. But we finally arrive in Oakland and I have to go to the bathroom so badly once I get off the plane. And I'm standing there and there's a guy in the toilet and he's just blowing it up and as angry as I was, it made me laugh. Like it brought me out of this funk of whatever, how, whatever, whatever I was angry about, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But it brought me out of this funk and it was just hearing this dude fart and it just, I'm standing at the urinal and I just laugh like I, and you know, my laugh, like I can't hold it back. So I just let it go, you know, and it immediately made me feel better. (laughs) Is it, is it because you just, is it funny that our bodies make this sound? I don't know. I've never thought about that. Yeah. It's just, I guess it's the, the moment. You know what I mean? Like, especially when you're not expecting it. And then, boom, there it is. Okay. Yeah. That's what made me laugh, though. All right. But, yeah, that, that scene, that's 
that's a funny scene, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, more beans and <laughs> his response is, I think you had enough. Like, <laughs> oh, that movie. It was awesome. I loved it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. Oh, jeez. Okay, well, this film, I'm, I'm sure this will shock you, mm. was almost not released. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, the executives didn't like it or find it funny at all. Wow. When they screened it for him, nobody laughed. There was not one laugh. And it was one executive who, uh, actually, it was a studio president who insisted on a limited opening mm-hmm. and it became the studio's top money maker that summer wow regular audiences responded exactly how mel brooks knew they would mm-hmm. and he's a genius they <laughs> probably were like all right we won't ever question you again yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> they probably did yeah you know that's hilarious, though, that, that, that it went down like that. Yeah. That's funny. And I guess at the, the first screening, I can't remember the place that they screened. It was a drive-in theater. Okay. And um, the main cast watched the the screening on horseback. They came in on horses. Really? Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. My family, we always went to the drive-in theaters oh, where we you? lived. Yeah, that we would go and see movies. Like, I remember going and seeing Brewster's Millions. That was a Richard Pryor movie um in the in the drive-in theaters I, I i would love it my mom would they would always do double features and my mom would fall asleep before the first feature was even done <laughs> and me of course i would stay through the whole thing and my dad too you know it was it was our like i said watching movies was kind of our thing for me growing up with my family yeah yeah uh, and then the last thing i wanted to mention to you was that the budget for this film was 2.6 million Wow, 1974, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Wow, okay. And then the box office on this was $119.6 million. I So mean, it earned. It earned. It, it earned sure big. did. It sure yeah. did. Wow. So I'm sure the executives that didn't think it was funny ate their own Laughing shoe. all the way to the bank. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> they found their humor. <laughs> and I'm sure, like you said, they were like, we trust in you now, yeah, Mel like, Brooks. Like, do what you want, please. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The themes of this film emerge immediately. Yes, right away. We enter the film seeing a bunch of, of white guys directing a bunch of black guys mm-hmm. to what they're building the railroad yeah the breaking rocks and doing stuff like that to clear the way for the railroad to be built to go wherever it's going i really enjoyed that first exchange uh when they want them to sing and they i believe i, I should have written down what song they were singing he, but it was like a jazz it was like a jazz song from like frank sinatra or something it was um he goes uh Something about champagne. I only drink champagne. I, I know I'm singing yeah. it wrong, but because um, he's like, I get like, a kick out of you. I get it. Yes. Because um, he's like, because things like cocaine, they don't, they don't do it for him at all. Yep. He's like, but I get a kick out of you. Yep. Yeah. So that's totally. the one. I, I I loved the interaction between mm-hmm. the two groups, mm-hmm. um, really playing on expectation of, sure. of, of what they think is going to happen, and then it turns on its head. Mm-hmm. And you've got 
you know, one side singing this classic song and then there th these white hicks are running around talking about, you know, well, don't you know this song? And we want to hear this song. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what are you talking about? And so they just start performing it and end up looking like the biggest group of buffoons. Mm -hmm. And that made me laugh. And that's when, when Slim Pickens, who's Taggart, comes in and he says, what in the world or wide world of sports is going on here? Yes. Yeah, like that that scene was pretty funny. I agree with that. That is actually one of my favorite scenes, just to get it all started. Right after that, they send Bart and his cohort down to check the, the they heard that there's uh, quicksand. It brings you to where I think that Bart is to assert himself to to move forward. You know what I mean? Like he he's done with uh, being, I think, racially chastised. I don't know if I'm saying that right. They send them down instead of sending horses down because Taggart's first instinct was to send a couple of horses down and he and his boss tells him who's Harvey Corman, don't send horses, send down a couple of the the black guys. Right. They used another word. And they go down there and they think they're gonna well, one of them thinks that they're gonna die, but but Bart's foot's on the track and he comes out and he hits Taggart no, is it Taggart that he hit yes, yeah. in the back of the head with the shovel. And that's what brought him into the position that he ended up becoming sheriff, you know? Right. Um, because of Harvey Corman, who is... Uh, corrupt. Corrupt. As... But what was his name? I keep forgetting his oh, name. Oh, his character's uh, name? Head, Headley Lamar, but everybody called him Hetty. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, Hetty, look, it's Hetty Lamar. And he's like, Headley. Yeah, he didn't like that. He didn't like that at all. <laughs> he really wanted them to get that right. Yes, he did. So Bart becomes sheriff simply because Headley believes that in order to get the residents of Rockridge mm -hmm. to flee, we have to we have to make something we have to put in an element. Put in an element that's so offensive to the people of Rock Ridge that it makes them want to leave. Which is what he says. Is a black sheriff for sure and he says he he says it though that they're they're older country folk you know what i mean they're it's it's the way i guess in 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 the time that they would be portraying that i think they would have been you know what i mean but yeah he wanted to put somebody in that was so offensive to their sight that it would make them want to leave and it was a black man right yeah i don't feel like mel brooks holds back on them at all holds back on the people you mean right okay it, it there's a bravery about this film i'll be honest it's not my type of humor mm -hmm. and i didn't find it funny okay but conceptually and thematically i feel like it was really courageous for him to make this film for sure because we're still dealing with some of these attitudes in our society most definitely so okay so let's just let's just go back and let's talk about about bart okay he is thrust into a situation and he's fully aware. Well, I felt he was fully aware of everything that's about to happen. He knows how the town's going to react to him. Of course. But he forges ahead. But uh, as soon as he gets there, as soon as the townspeople realize mm -hmm. that he's black. That's actually one of my other favorite scenes is when Gabby Johnson is on the roof and he's got his telescopy thingy and... He's like, 
the shares are coming, you oh. know, at first. And he can't really see him, but he can see him because he's in the distance, but he can't get a focus on him to see that it's a black man. And then when finally Bart is in range and he's trying to tell them that the sheriff is, uh, you know, he uses a word, but he never gets to finish the word because every time he goes to do it, the bell in the town rings. Right. Because he's, I guess, coming at noon or whatever time he was coming. And I don't know. So the, the, the bell rang every time he went to say it. And then that scene when Bart pulls the gun on himself. Yes. And he's holding it to his neck. That came from an actual experience that Mel Brooks had as a child. Really? Yeah. He, uh, I guess he was about six or eight, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And he went into a little dime store and he totally shoplifted a water gun and some chewing gum. Okay. And the guy caught him. And he pulled the water gun as if he was going to shoot this dude, the one he had just stolen. Okay. And, like, goes out of the store. <laughs> now, I don't think he held it to his neck like you see uh-huh. in, the, in the movie, but it was based on that experience Wow, for him. that's hilarious. I know, right? Nice. Uh, one of my other scenes was the, um, the scene where Bart and the, the Waco kid meet for the oh, first yeah. time yeah. and the Waco kid is in there and he's passed out in the in the cell and Bart goes in and kind of rouses him up and the Waco kid falls off the bed but gets caught up I think on his like pant leg or something like that so he's kind of just hanging there yeah and Bart asks him are you alive <laughs> and the Waco's kid response says I don't know are we black (laughs) and bart's response is we are and then he goes then yes i am alive and he gets up and he drinks from the bottle that he's got and it's like whiskey yeah and bart says to him a man that drinks like that and don't eat is gonna die and the waco's kid response is when like he wanted to it was like he wanted to die you know and he was so almost sincere in his response and he's like when you know and i don't know why but it cracks me up every time well there's something about gene wilder Mm -hmm. every time i see him there's this wonderment in his eyes that Mm -hmm. he's able to call upon that that hits in that scene yeah unbeknownst to bart even though he he knows what he's he's going into but he doesn't realize how many levels of sabotage is actually happening behind the scenes Mm -hmm. so when he Heatley. Headley, Headley Lamar. When he, when the first action fails mm-hmm. and the townspeople kind of just like, okay, I guess we're going to put up with this. Yeah. We don't like it, but we're going to put up with it. Yeah. And then he sends, is this the point when he then sends? Mongo. Mongo. He sends Mongo into town. And that's when the townspeople kind of, I think, are really becoming of, not maybe accepting of him at this point, but they realize that he's what they got. You know what I mean? He's their sheriff. So now they have to go to him and they have to ask him for help. And he realizes that too. He's like, oh, all of a sudden, now you want my help. You know, before you wanted nothing to do with me. Now there's this imminent threat that's coming upon you. And now you're coming to me for help. You know what's funny though? As I don't, I don't feel like he holds it over their heads. He says it to them. Does he? He says it to, because it's, um, 
one of the Johnsons because everybody's <laughs> last name Johnson. was Johnson. <laughs> it's it's the one that was the the doctor. So Sam Johnson goes in and he's like, Mongo's coming to town. Like, you got to help us. And he's like, oh, now you want my help. He says that to him in that scene. Okay. So Bart does say it to him. He doesn't hold it over him, but he does say to them, oh, I'm going to help you, but now you want my help. Yeah. He does that. Which I agree with. 100%. He handles the Mongo situation. He, by inventing the candy gram. Right. Candy gram for Mongo. Candy gram for Mongo. <laughs> I, Mongo. Mongo love candy. <laughs> I didn't know what was funny about Mongo. Mongo was the brute. He was the 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 unbeatable force that you would think would would have easily dealt with Bart, you know, but not very smart, just muscle, you know what I mean? But right. Bart being the smarter of the two was was able to to get the the upper hand by ex- the exploding candy gram and knocking Mongo out and then thus earning the respect of Mongo. By being the first person to ever beat Mongo. <laughs> so Mongo has come and terrorized the town on other occasions. Apparently, yes, because everybody knew who he was. Also, I thought it was very clever to put him on an ox because he did seem like a large man, the like actor. Paul Bunyan is the best. Exactly. Yes. But his sheer size, mm-hmm. and the, the, I think he was holding like 13 different townspeople back with the piano. He just kind of shoved them like against the wall. Yes. So after Mongo... Is that when Lily comes into the picture? Yes. And she, I believe, is supposed to seduce him and yes. then kill him? Or just seduce him? There was there was something sinister. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I, th- I don't remember whether she was supposed to kill him or not. I thought, I mean, I, that, would be, that would be what would make sense. She you was supposed I mean? to, yeah. Something was supposed to fail. Yes. Yes. For Bart. Yes. In the interaction. No doubt. The townspeople seem very enamored with with Lily. Mm-hmm. Her German accent with the <laughs> speech impediment that she's she's rocking uh-huh. was was pretty fun. Yes, her song that was actually one one scene that really did grab my attention uh-huh. because the performance of it and then the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Mel Brooks said it's the dirtiest song he ever wrote. Nice. And I She's thought she been did a with job. thousands of men again and again. She's tired. <laughs> She's so tired. They just keep coming and going, going and going and coming and always too soon. <laughs> yes. So she has her performance. We cheer. We love. Everything's mm-hmm. great. And then she has some alone time with Bart. She invites Bart back to her room. Yes. I think Bart surprises Lily. Yes, he does. <laughs> she told uh, uh, Harvey Corman's character, uh, Hedley Lamar, that she would have him eating out of her hand before she knew it or before he knew it. And it was the exact opposite. Yes. She was feeding him in the end. Schnitzengrubens. Don't leave. <laughs> Are you sure you can't stay? <laughs> Hilarious. And 15 Schnitzengrubens was his limit. Now, when I was reading about the film, 
they mentioned a line and I don't know the film well enough to know if it was actually spoken or if it was cut. Okay. But it definitely was cut in the theatrical release because it was too much. Okay. When the scene goes dark and and so we can't see anything and that's when she's moved over by Bart. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you hear a zipper sound, but we know there's some business. She asks, she asks him, she goes, is it true what they say about you people is what she says to him. Yeah. And she's like, it's true. It's true. Like, yeah. So apparently there was a line that she said, she's, oh, it's true. I had no idea. And he says, he said, you need to stop something to the effect of you need to stop sucking on my arm. Yeah, that didn't. And they pulled it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, that was not a part of that. I, I, the word I, that's awesome. So Bart then moves on from his encounter with Lily. Doesn't fall into the trap. Nope. And it, I think at this point he's kind of really gotten the townspeople on his side. Yeah. Because they they see the good in him and they see that he's actually there for them to help them. And the, I mean? po- the politician is now completely flummoxed and frustrated because yes. nothing's working. Exactly. And these stupid people of Rockridge mm-hmm. will not get out of this town. Nope. Now they have a sense of security. And so he feels like he needs to the Annie. Yeah. It tells Taggart to basically bring every single type of horrible person and the yes. Methodists he throws in yes. at the end. Yes. <laughs> to create a gang. Yes. To storm the town. Yes. The scene where they needed, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but where they needed to slow down the gang uh, that was coming to go run through Rock Ridge and get the people out. Right. Um, and they were coming sooner than they expected. So he put out the toll booth that Slim Pickens only, like, it was this thing in the middle of nowhere that they could have easily just ridden around but he had to send somebody back for a shitload of dimes. I, I That shit cracked me up. I don't remember how Bart finds out that they're doing this. Somehow somebody Some, finds Somebody out. finds one of, I think, one of the posters or something like that. Then Bart comes up with this great idea. Build a fake town. And, An exact replica yeah. of Rock Ridge, yes. You know, it seems like an impossible task. Mm-hmm. But they rally together... They get the help of some migrant railroad workers. Yes. Where more racism comes into play. Way more racism. Because he says that the town of Rockridge, he, he brings all these people, all of his friends, and then all of the other people that were helping to build the railroad. And the people of Rockridge kind of huddled together and they said, we'll take the blacks, but we don't want the Irish. Right. <laughs> oh, my poor people. <laughs> That's what was hilarious about this movie to me. And then one of the things, too, did you know that police to this day still call the truck that they're able, like, if they go out somewhere and they're going to arrest a bunch of people, it's called a paddy wagon. Yeah. Well, that was derived from, back in the days, they were typically going out and arresting the drunk Irish people, so they called it the paddy wagon. To this day, they still call it the paddy wagon. Amazing, right? It's Yeah, it's craziness to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I saw this this, uh, amateur comedian in San Diego when I was down there last. And he says, 
and and to me it was first of all with comedy obviously it's about delivery so how you give the joke totally delivery and timing is is epic and so what his joke was i can't believe that jeep or chrysler has a jeep that's called the grand cherokee Mm. how would you feel if they had a grand negro (laughs) and it was perfect it was like i stood up and gave him the hands up and laughed out loud it was just the the pure delivery of the joke the it was smart too like it was beautiful and i just thought it was an epic joke and maybe to me I don't know, racist jokes, just they're funny to me. And I mean, I guess it also is, I guess it's how you give it. You know what I mean? If you're a racist dickhead and you're telling a racist joke, then I'm not going to think it's funny. Right. Because of the way you're giving the joke. But if I know you're not a racist and you're a comedian and you're giving a joke, I'm, I'm, I have a sense of humor. Yeah. I can almost find humor in just about everything. You know what I mean? So... I guess it just depends on who's giving the joke. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. You can tell. Yes. There's a spitefulness. Yes. That's one thing about the film, even though I didn't think it was funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like those jokes were barbs toward no. the people, no. you know, the minority groups. Like, no. I didn't feel that at all. Never at all. And I, I never have gotten that from, from Mel Brooks no, at all. Either. Like, um, First of all, he's Jewish, so um, I mean, not that that doesn't mean that a Jewish person couldn't be a racist, but his jokes have never come off like that to me. And even in this movie that was full of racism and stuff like that, it was never like a movie that he tried to do undertones, I think, to hide his own. No, never anything like that. No, Because Mel Brooks has experienced probably some racism in his life and Mm -hmm. discrimination because he's Jewish. He has a unique perspective and he can approach that comedy. And anyone who has also felt that way is going to be like, yep, nailed it. And I think it's about stereotypes. And I think that's what they've done is they've played on the stereotypes of way people look at other cultures. It's different now because obviously in the seventies, things were a little bit more acceptable than you know, how they would do it now. You know what I mean? Maybe a movie like this wouldn't be able to be made in 2018. While I was watching this film, that there's some revisionist history going on. Mm -hmm. This didn't, as far as I know, did not happen, right? Mm -hmm. But we can imagine this scenario that was impossible in the time in which it's referencing Mm -hmm. and really kind of throw ourselves into it and enjoy this this alternate type of of reality yeah i don't think that in blazing saddles in 1874 when i think the film was set yeah that any of this goes down right Mm -hmm. this doesn't go down like that and and to speak to your earlier point as well bart stays pretty chill the whole time yeah he he just goes into action yeah he knows he's smarter than all of these people yeah if they just kind of get out of the way it's all going to work out, which it does, yep. because then he gets the town built. They even make build the, the fake people. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this ragtag crew of criminals that they've put together uh-huh. is so stupid. They don't even realize that they're blowing up cardboard people. Yeah, they don't. They're I mean, riding they're around them like and whooping minutes. and hollering. Yeah, for sure. 
at some point when you shot at that, you didn't realize there's no blood. They're not moving. That's paper. It just went, and that was it. Yep. So Bart's victorious. Yes. The town is saved. Yes. Then Mel Brooks does something that he does often in his films, which is to break the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. Are you talking about when all the people come running out of the studio? Yeah. And they they literally break through the wall. Yeah. And then out to the streets. Yes. Is conducting this very sophisticated choreographed dance scene with like Fred Astaire types, you know, on the big sweeping staircase. Yes. Yes. Then they then that spills out into the cafeteria mm-hmm. and then into a food fight mm-hmm. and then and now we're not even in eighteen seventy four. No, we're we now in just in the nineteen seventy four. Yes, we are. Out on the streets of LA out yeah. by Warner Brothers Studios, right there out on the streets, yes. And yet we still are remaining in character, right? Yes. Because Headley? Headley. Ah, Headley. <laughs> He says, well, I've lost. I'm out. Yeah. And so he says, get me out of this movie. Yes. And he goes to the movie theater mm-hmm. where now we have the space-time continuum uh-huh. is completely like wonky. He, he goes to buy a ticket and goes to show his student ID card. And the lady's like, are you kidding me? Did you, did you catch that? Yeah. <laughs> he gets arrested? No, no, he gets shot in the penis. Yes. That's what happens to him. Yes, he does. Because Bart finds him Mm -hmm. and the Wigo kid's with him. Yep. He gets shot and then they go into the theater Mm -hmm. and finish watching the movie. Yep. Bart Bart asks the Wigo kid if he'd like to go on an adventure. Yeah, on an adventure. And he's like, to where? And what did he say? Like, I think wherever it takes us. Yeah, something like that. Something to like that. And then they get in a stretch limo and Yeah, and then they go off. off in the limousine. <laughs> <laughs> off in the all black limousine. And yes. then the end. The end. Your favorite part. My favorite part. Wow. No offense. No Mel offense Brooks. taken. No, I, I actually think it's a really great movie. It just didn't make me laugh. It's it's the truth. Like, and I think I think you could be right. You said that this was a movie that was kind of more geared toward men. Yeah, you know, and I I think I've always been one that's liked silly slapstick comedies and stuff like that. I've always been a fan of Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks. And I think I've always just been a fan of 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 the way he does his thing. And he always gets really good actors and actresses to come into his movies. And and so I've just always been a fan. Yeah, there's no disputing that. Yeah. I mean, he he seems like he'd be so much fun to work with. Oh, man, just to even hang out with. Oh, totally. He would be hilarious. And I would love to do some of his other films. And uh, this is, if I didn't already say it, this is Mel Brooks' personal favorite film he's ever made is Blazing Saddles. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And one of the things I think he probably marvels at is that what you were speaking to is that you couldn't really make this movie today no. because of the language. Yes. Um, it's a little too face smashing I for, think, for yeah, people. I think, They're a little I too think sensitive. that millennials wouldn't be able to handle it. I think there's a lot of people that just wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. You know, and that's not why I didn't, it didn't, you know, I really do think it was just kind of a more ma- geared for a male audience, mm-hmm. which most films really are. Yeah. So it just is what it, it just is. It is what it is. Yeah, no doubt. That's changing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Still so, one of my favorite movies. It's still one of your favorites. <laughs> it still makes me laugh to this day. Uh, I own it, and so 
yeah, every once in a while I break it out and I watch it and it makes me laugh. It's one of those ones like, you know, like Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail that it's like one of those ones I could watch over and over again and, and it would it would be funny to me. This upcoming week, Terrence. Yes. It's grappling with which direction to go mm-hmm. for the next movie. Mm-hmm. Off the heels of Blazing Saddles, I'm just going to do the hard right. Okay. A little 90 degree turn. A little quick. angle, a little change up. We're going to watch Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Get your fava beans. <laughs> fava beans. I ate his liver with a nice Chianti and some fava beans. So delicious. <laughs> it puts the lotion in the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it it's it can get under your skin you know, gotta so turn the lights off i'm gonna go home i'm gonna the do dogs. the same thing too i'm gonna i'm gonna go home and put it i'll make it real dark in my room and put it on and see if it makes me get up and turn the lights on right <laughs> i'm a fucking gangster it, i ain't gonna turn the lights on okay okay <laughs> i'll let you know if i do people i will i'm not afraid to share <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yes. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Yes, we appreciate you all for listening, for sure. Please tell other people about it. All right. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you again for downloading. We hope you liked it. Real Nostalgic is produced by Hollis Lazzarini with additional support from me, Terrence McHenry. Our logo was designed by Carissa Westfall. Please check out our website, realnostalgic.com. Like, share, subscribe, and write to us. We'd love to hear from you.